I can't yeah. even remember anything of this, by the way. <laughs> just rolling Europa. <coughs> 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 no. Get that cough button pressed. I know. <laughs> oh, I'll say that again. Uh, despite that, oh, that horrendous. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> Out of practice at this. I know. She was asleep, but it was constant. <laughs> Stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, brace yourself. Rangers are coming! Hi, everyone, and welcome to the next episode of the I Ready podcast. As ever, I'm your host, Derek, and with me is my co host, Dave. How are you doing, Dave? Derek, it's been a long time, and let me be the first person, pod-wise, to congratulate you on the birth of your second child. I'm hoping that you've not had too many sleepless nights, mate, but I'm sure uh, myself and all, all the listeners are, uh, you know, just want to say congratulations. Has everything been okay in the house? Yeah, thanks very much, Dave. Yes, all good. Lack of sleep as normal, but that's nothing unusual for me, Dave. Has it? <laughs> I've been training all my life for this. <laughs> you definitely have, mate. No, it's good good to hear. It's been a long time since we've been on the pod. There has been so much has been happening. I know that we've got quite a few games to cover, which I don't think you're going to cover in too, too much length. But the big news, more than anything, I think will take up most of our time. So I'll, I'll let you go on with it, mate. Yes, there's been injuries, there's been hospitalisations, there's been trips abroad, there's been new managers, but enough of Dave and I. <laughs> exactly, that's my personal life at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> yes, a lot to cover, we'll get into it shortly, we're not going to cover the games in great depth because, let's face it, they were absolutely dire, but yes. we'll get into it anyway, so we may as well go down the tunnel and onto the park. So, as I said, we're not covering this in great depth, but the first game we've got to cover is Saturday the 29th of October. It was a 4-1 win at home against Aberdeen in the Premiership. All in all, a pretty good result, Dave, and a good performance as well. It was one of the best performances that we've had, actually, Derek. I think we were all kind of dreading it before the game you know, started considering, you know, other results had been before that. But, you know, a very, very good performance and an excellent uh, win as well. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, the Michael Beale was in the director's box for the game as well. So at the mm. time, it definitely fueled speculation. Yep. You know, we're all, I mean, we said in the last podcast that we were on the, the due out bus at that point. That never really done anything to alleviate issues as well. It was all parley in the director's box. And maybe that was the, the spark that ended up being that he became our new manager. But the game itself... We contrived to undo ourselves because in the 21st minute, Aberdeen went 1-0 up. Absolutely shambolic defending. Against the runner play, you, you could have actually said, but it was the basics in our defence once again that let us down. However, all was restored on the 27th minute when Cholak scored. Lundstrom made it 2-1 in the 48th minute, so a good time to get the goal and go ahead there. Substitution at half-time, Ben Davies off, Arfield on. Tavenier scored on the 51st minute to make it 3-1, and we eventually rounded out the game on the 85th minute with Morelos making it 4-1 as well. He had just come on five minutes earlier. Just yep. before that as well, Tavenier did miss a penalty. It was a poor penalty as well. It hit the post. But all in all, it was a really good performance. As you said, probably the best of the season domestically so far as well. And happy to get out of there, which what could have been a, a, a banana skin fixture because Aberdeen were starting to come back into the league as well at that point. Yeah, they, they were, mate. And, you know, between that and I think the Hearts game not too too long ago, uh, you know, when we played very well against Hearts as well, those have been the sort of two uh, standout performances in the league, certainly this season, you know, when uh, Gio was in charge. But no, it was a it was a great victory. It was a great performance as well. Uh, and as you quite rightly pointed out before that, a bit strange, I thought at the time that uh, Michael Beale was there, but... Uh, you know what that what that's got to do with what's happened uh, in in the last week or so. I don't know. I don't think we'll ever know. But yeah, good good performance regardless. Yes. So that lined it up for the next game, which was the a really dreaded one, Tuesday the 1st of November. It was a 3-1 loss at home against Ajax in the Champions League Group A Game 6. 
just glad it's over at that point, Dave, weren't we? I know. We were hoping for something Derek to muster a wee bit of pride. Even a draw would have been that happy with Derek, but I think we were all expecting it, just the way that this disastrous Champions League campaign has been. But yeah, disappointing all, all round. It, it could have been a lot worse, to, to be fair. So again, something that uh, I think we should just forget about what's actually happened. Uh, but I'll let you get into it. Yeah, I mean, I completely understand you can't really go boz out at this level, but I would much rather have a go at them and lose a few goals rather than going out like a whimper like we did. We only had our pride to effectively try and salvage in this one here, and also the fact that we were trying to not be the worst, officially the worst team in the Champions League history. We contrived to do that though because we ended up being that unfortunately. We went down after four minutes, 1-0, a simple ball behind Tavernier. It was a cross into the deck to the middle, lovely layoff to the attacker, into the unmarked player and a simple dink to beat McGregor. They went 2-0 on the 29th minute. Again, another defensive blunder really. And at this point, it could have been two going on 20. It really, it really could have been and we really feared at that point there. However, Going into half-time, not a great deal to take out, positive to take out of that at all. Second half, largely the same as the first half. Ajax, the game was clearly rounded up at 2-0. Not, they really weren't forcing the issue. We made a few substitutions late on in the game, which is, I couldn't understand as well because we, we were on the back foot. We needed a couple of goals and we never actually, we never actually made substitutions until the 83rd minute, I believe. We did get a penalty in the 85th minute and Tavernier made it 2-1. However, in the dying minutes, in the 89th minute, Ajax just upped their game, went 3-1 and that was the game over. And we are officially the, the worst team in Champions League history. Don't know what much you can take about that, Dave. There's, there's no much you can say, Derek. Really, really disappointed with the way the Champions League campaign has played out really disappointed that we did couldn't even muster up a draw against someone, especially at home. The Liverpool game was just a disaster. We're going over old ground, Derek, but it was just a really, really shambolic and disastrous European campaign. And, you know, we had such enthusiasm when we beat PSV to get through. We thought because of how we played last season that we would actually possibly pull off a couple of shocks and you know do well but it was it was just a disaster Derek wasn't it if we start to finish I know the injuries haven't helped but for a team as I say I keep going back to that Liverpool game at Ibrox I, I don't think a team should get beat 7-1 by anybody at home regardless what competition you're you're playing in so I want to forget and all Derek that's all I can say about it yeah, despite that unfortunate record we've got, we still ended up raking in more coefficient points than Celtic and Hearts because of the, the qualifiers we had to go through. So, you know, yeah. all, always the one leading the light for the, the Scottish teams, d- despite our, our abysmal record this season. But the group stages, we played six, won zero, drawn zero, lost six, scored only two goals, and I think both were penalties, conceded 22, goal difference minus 20, and zero points. Uh, Napoli and Liverpool both on 15, but Napoli were on top due to a better head-to-head, Ajax and six, and us and obviously zero. Obviously, Napoli were the, the complete outliers in that, we, we didn't expect them to be as, as good as they were, did we? We didn't, Derek, but we knew they would be a top team. We, we, we knew they would be a, be a top team. As I say, I keep harping on about the Liverpool game, Derek. I just I wanted more, you know, battle of Britain again, you know, try to get some pride, but I'm still having flashbacks in my dreams about that game at Ibrox, Derek. It has really it's affected me, it affected the team as a whole as well. Just a disaster. But as you say, Napoli were the top team, I think when we watched them playing against Liverpool, they were a top team as well. And uh, I think they really could have put us to the sword if they wanted to. But I think they were, uh, you know, they, they knew they had the game won against us quite early on. So they knew that they didn't have to really put their foot in the gas, especially the game away from home. But I, it's, uh, again, I keep harping on about it. It's been a painful reflection for me when I think back to the Champions League, which I was so looking forward to when we qualified. Roll on the Europa League next year. (laughs) (laughs) I hope not, Derek. I hope that we can get into the Champions League again. I just hope that we're a bit more savvy about it. That's all. all A a bit more fight and a bit more grit and determination than we showed this year. Yes. So, 
at that point, you know, we weren't really expecting anything out of the Ajax game. The next game, though, we were expecting something out of it, which was Sunday the 6th of November. It was away against St. Johnson. However, we lost 2-1. And at that point there, the knives were really out yep. for Gio there. And we felt everybody, to a man, we felt he should be out that, that same night, didn't we? Derek, I said to you, I felt he should have been out before that, but you just saw the reaction of the team in that game. St. Johnson didn't even play particularly well to beat us, which was the worrying thing, wasn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think it sums up with you after the game. You said, yeah, I think it was an early kickoff again, and you said that I'm away back to bed. I want him out by the time I wake up. Yeah, as I said, Derek, I had been wanting Gio away, and again, I'm not going to hold any bitterness towards the man. He's an ex-player. He was a fantastic. He was the, the manager that we all wanted at the time. We all wanted him. We were all delighted he was in. It just didn't work at all. And before we go any further behind in the league, I think he, sh- he should have been gone. So it was quite evident that the players weren't playing for him. It was quite evident his tactics weren't working and we needed a change. And I think it took too long for us to either get rid of him or for him to walk and it's been us that's got rid of him at the end of the day and you know that game summed it all up for me to be perfectly honest with you yeah, I mean, it could be summed up really in the first half stats alone 74% possession, 17 shots but only 3 on target, 12 corners counter that with St Johnson, they had 3 shots, 1 on target and 1 goal I mean, that yep. that's just utterly abysmal they yep. did score first on the 41st minute it was a stunning strike all the same, but it was just our players dithering about at the back, giving the ball away to have an ear again. We decided not to put any challenges in at all, and he allowed the waltz right through and a stunning strike. Really, And I think even Kent jumped out the way of the shot as well. Absolutely atrocious all round. It was. It was, it was shocking defending all round, Derek. As you say, it was a good finish, but really, really poor. Into the second half, really not much better. St Johnston did actually go 2-0 up on the 62nd minute. It was a throw-in from the left. King got absolutely skinned and it was a back-heel flick into the back of the net. 74th minute, we did pull a goal back with Tavernier from a corner kick and it was a, a good shot. Just after that as well, we nearly levelled up with uh, Lundstrom with a f- thunderbaster from distance which rattled off the bar. But it was really too little too late. An absolute abysmal second half and as I said before, the Knights were out after that game and duly so next game we had to cover here was it was Wednesday the 9th of November it was a 1-0 win at home against Hearts in the Premiership so a little bit of a reprieve here but you really couldn't take much into it could you? No you you couldn't and again a dismal Hearts display Derek it really was and I'm not I hate taking anything away from a Rangers victory but we still didn't play very well. Hearts were shocking. I think any half-decent team on the night could have really put put us to the sword or at least held us to a nil-nil draw. That's what Hearts had set out to do. They'd done absolutely zero attacking in the whole game, so they it was literally just us, but our in, inability to score goals and kill teams off. Thankfully, we managed to get the three points without Hearts causing any problems, but I think it was just more down to Hearts being really, really pitiful against us on the night was the reason that, that we got the victory rather than us completely outplaying them and outclassing them. Yeah, I mean, the first half was just devoid of anything. Mastream went down for 10 minutes. It might as well have been the full 45. We just played with no pace, no intensity, sideways passing, very predictable play. It was a team that just looked as if they'd given up, really. We did score in the second half on the 66th minute, where it was a nice move from Kent, getting the ball into the final third. Back-facing goal, takes on three players and turns towards goal while doing so. Threaded a nice ball through to Barisic on the left, who plays a first-time cross on the deck to Tillman, who slides in and hits it into the back of the net. A bit of forward thinking all round for a change and an excellent goal. And that was vintage yep. Kent there. That is the Kent we want to see. I don't know where it came from because he was just playing the same load of shite that he'd been playing for the past season. I don't know where that came from. A bit of inspiration. That's what was needed in the team. Exactly. No, it was a great it was a great goal, Derek. It was a great move, finished off really well by Tillman. But as you say, very, very fleeting flashes by Kent in certain games and you know, so something usually happens. So as I say, but just no nowhere near the level that we're used to, nowhere near the level that's needed by Kent. And it's been no. the same all season. 
Yeah, just the the game itself, as you highlighted with Hearts, they came, they they sat back. That's their prerogative at the end of the day. I wonder what the result would have been if they'd been a wee bit more adventurous. I I, I think we would have probably lost the game because yep. we were certainly doing nothing up front anyway. Um, yep, no, just just exactly like I said, Derek. I think the victory was more down to how poor Hearts were and how lacking in attack they were. I worked with quite a few. Jambos Derek and they were all absolutely raging uh, with a manager with Robbie Nielsen that he didn't even try in the last 20 minutes to go for it to try and get an equaliser but they, they just didn't for some reason Hearts and like you I think we were there for the taking but fortunately you know it, it worked out for us and we managed to get the one yeah next game and the last game we've got to cover might it have been the straw that broke the camel's back well not certainly initially it was Saturday the 12th of November it was a one each straw away against St Martin in the Premiership just the first half uh, really a repeat of the last number of games there was a bit of effort plenty of possession but a complete lack of ideas and skill in the final third and putting their keeper under no pressure whatsoever 72% possession again five shots one on target St Mirren had the same number of shots despite having a ton less possession, which is an absolute disgrace, to be honest. St Johnson were getting forward, trying to play, arguably unlucky on a few occasions, um, but nothing came of it for either team. They went a goal up on the 47th minute just after half-time, though. It was a long throw into our box. That's not the first time that we've been beat by that. A header backwards, right to their attacker in the middle, who was a first-time shot. Great save from McGregor, however, falls right to the same player who shoots into the back of net. Just great initially from McGregor, but should never have got in that position in the first place. Derek, I can't comment much about it. I was actually sitting in the airport in Amsterdam trying to watch the game on my mobile phone with a really, really dodgy Wi-Fi reception but I did see the goal I just you know just like what you said as soon as the throwing was right into our box we weren't anywhere near it were we and you know it should have went in first time but it was an excellent save but again our standards of defending again not being able to clear the loose ball and made it easy for the guy in the end where you know just a really really poorly defended goal. Really bit of concern and bit of play on the 61st minute when the game was stopped for seven minutes when King went down after a heavy challenge in the back. He never moved at all. He was stretched off. It looked as if he had got a bad head knock. He, he, the boy led with his elbow and I don't know if it was a bit of whiplash or just an elbow to his head to the back of his neck at all. Fortunately, it transpired that he's okay, but it looked a really serious one and you never look, like to see that for, for any player, do you, Dave? No, we don't, especially for a guy who we have a lot of hope for in the future. I really hope this campaign hasn't ruined him, uh, you know, with the, the, the results and the way we've been playing. But as you say, it looked very worrying when it, uh, when it happened, Derek. Yeah. And then more concerning play because we never really got anything until the 80th minute when, in the 80th minute, Kent was clearly taken out in the box while running with the ball at pace and the referee books him for diving unbelievable it was as clear a day even in real time there was initially no var check so what was the fuck the point it was as clear as yep. day and then there was a four minute var check for the penalty to be eventually being given dave i know there was going to be teething problems but when you can't see something in real time when the referee was clearly looking at it everybody in their dug knew that that was a clear penalty you know how he can actually quickly book Ken. His decision to book Ken was even before he'd thought about it, Dave. Shocking yep. refereeing. Yep. It was, and, and thankfully VAR was there, Derek, so that you could actually see that it was a penalty. You know, there was it was it was un, undeniably because if that had been last season, then that would have been Kent booked and we wouldn't have got a penalty. Do you know what I mean? The joke is, if that had been maybe seven games ago, we wouldn't have got a penalty for that and he would have got Aye. a booking. So... Yep. But anyway, up steps Tavernier in the 83rd minute. He hits it to the right. The keeper dives the right way. He got his hand to it, but it was too powerful, and that made it one each. It was nine minutes of injury time. Made a couple of last-ditch substitutions, but it never came to anything, and we drew the game one each. So, absolutely abysmal performance once again. We're going into the last four Premiership games. They are looking for 12 points. We obviously got the points against Aberdeen, but then we fucked it against St. Johnson and then last against St. Murden as well. Now nine points behind Celtic. The league, yeah. certainly not mathematically over, anything can happen, but with their consistency over the past 18 months and our ability to throw things away, 
I don't see much hope for it, Dave, do you? I don't, Derek. Like you, I, I'm not going to concede anything with, you know, as we're, what we're going to get into, you know, the change in regime. Hopefully, things can change. We need to, to basically just start concentrating on a better performance, Derek, and being able to dispatch teams because it's just not, not worked. We've heard so many things about lack of fitness and, you know, the, the tactics not being players not playing. But it's just unacceptable for us to be that far behind this early on in the season, Derek. I mean, that was that was before you know December had started. We were nine points behind. As I say again, at the end of the season, Derek, that had been unimaginable for that to happen. But for us to be in that position, it was just far too much. The manager should have been gone quite a few games ago. To stop something like this happened and you know just like what you said I fear that it's now going to be too late I hope it's not but I just fear it is so we've kind of buried the lead here Dave obviously because we'll get into the manager situation yeah. now and as I said there'd been obviously calls for him for a while to go sadly it came yep. from us too and Dave we're me and you are pretty level-headed I think when it comes to, to managers, managers anyway but I think it was you know uh, the writing was on the wall really after the St Johnson game. Certainly, his position really became unattainable at that point. There, I mean, he, he's gone from giving us the best feeling I've ever experienced anyway as a Rangers fan in that run to Seville. I mean, it wasn't just a smash and grab like it or, or luck like it was in Manchester. It no, was some no, incredible, incredible football beating yep. some of Europe's best. But league-wise, it was pretty abysmal. If you look back at his time, we lost a six-point lead last time last year when he came in. I think it swung to them being about eight ahead and we did eventually claw it back to four, but the league was gone at that point. They had already won it. Domestically, it hasn't, Gio hadn't got us going at all. And granted, there's been some horrendous injuries this year, but how much of that is due to lack of fitness because he's not training and his background team are not training them? And how much of it is down to this alleged bust-up that's happened with him and senior players in Portugal in pre-season training? Who, who knows? I mean, we've done incredible to beat PSV to get to the Champions League. But then, after the Ajax game, the excuses started. Then in the last really four weeks of his reign, those excuses started to leak into the domestic games as well. Then he started calling legends of our club stupid like Brian Loudrup. How he can even... All he had to do there is say he's entitled to his opinion, but I disagree with him. He's openly calling club legends stupid. That's just... It was a bit getting bizarre at this point. Then after the St Mirren game, I think we all expected either that night or the next day he would be sacked, but he wasn't. Then the World Cup started, so we all thought we were stuck, must be sticking by him. Then there was the Sky Sports interview, which pretty much confirmed he was staying, and then he was sacked the next day. Yeah. Bizarre. <laughs> totally bizarre, Derek. I actually was still expecting him to be your manager after the World Cup. I didn't see it coming at all because I thought that it would have been after the St Johnston game, if anything, that he would have been away. And when he wasn't, I was still expecting him to be the manager, you know, with uh, you know the, the, the you know when the World Cup finished and we were getting back into business there. So like you, very surprised with the timing. And again, Derek, I've, I've I actually heard something quite uh, interesting. I thought it was quite true. There were uh, I was reading something in the it was a, a world soccer sort of paragraph that I was reading that they covered it very briefly about Van Bronckhurst. There was a Dutch football writer had said that Van Bronckhurst was classed in Holland as being more of a a, a one off manager, you know, certain big, big games they could go on and win uh, and they, they likened him to a sort of cup manager. I realise he got the, the, the league title away with, with, with Feyenoord but they were actually saying that he would probably be more suited to international football, not saying it would be the you know the, the manager of the Dutch national team but maybe another team because certainly with us with our run in the Europa League, winning the Scottish Cup he did actually seem, you know, better suited to playing in cup competitions didn't he, you know, for us to you know, win certain big games so maybe international football would be a better draw for him Derek it's not worked out at us, we all hoped it would, he was our first choice 
you know, I think the vast majority of Rangers fans, including myself, actually thought we were getting an upgrade in manager over Steven Gerrard when when he came in. A player that had played with the club, huge fan favourite. You know, he'd, he'd won the Champions League. He's played for Barcelona. He's, you know, he's done everything. We'll work with some of the best managers of all time. We thought that he was going to be the main man, but it just didn't work out, Derek, for us. And I'm really sorry it did, but... I think it actually took too long for us to, to, to get rid of him and, and find someone to replace him. And I think that that's going to tell come the end of the season, unfortunately. Yeah, I mean, I think up until the last games we covered there, his, his league record, I wouldn't say it was massively bad. We we're still only, I think, about four points behind Celtic at that point. And you had some extenuating circumstances, obviously, with the injuries, but we're getting the same type of injuries. So... As we said in the last podcast, is it a case of that the injuries are stemming from the training techniques and or the lack of fitness training? But we, we'll, we'll find out in due course, won't yeah. we? But yeah, I mean, certainly a tremendous servant and as he's, as a player, we thank him for the run he gave us. That, as I said, that's the, some of the most amazing times we've experienced last season and yep. that run for Europe. We'll never forget that. We thank him for his his service and we move on as it is. Now, he did put a statement out about a week later, really nice, genuine message, but it also had the line, I faced unique challenges and some very difficult circumstances to operate in. I mean, is that a, a woe is me comment from him? Is that reference to the injuries or is that reference to board issues where he's maybe not been backed as what a lot of people claim? Or am I just reading too much into that? I, again, I, I don't know. I think it's maybe a bit of a, a, a bit of everything there, to be honest. I think the injuries certainly played a, a massive part in, the, in his run. You've got 10, nearly 15 players out from the first team most of them were all the new players they brought in as well. You can't legislate for that type of injury, can you? But you know that is a certain circumstance. But you've got to, you've just got to work around it. And the the players that we were left with should have had more than enough in the tank to do do the job. They just never. Derek, I think another thing for me was the players that he brought in. You can take Suter out out of that equation uh, because he got injured so early on and perhaps Lawrence as well, but out of uh, all the players that he's brought in, Cholak has been the only success out of all of them. Matondo's done v- v- very little. The, the opinion for me is still out on Malik Tillman. He shows flashes here and there, but not enough for me to think that he should be an automatic starter each week. So, that, you know, the, the, the players that he's brought in, and I mean, he's he spent some money, as I say, the likes of Matondo, who you would like to think was going to be an automatic starter every single week but it's just no no worked out so you know a lot of players I, I said at the time as well as soon as we lost all of our centre halves there should have been something done and, and I know we, we, we spoke about it at the time Derek at the transfer window I think he should have done what a lot of managers have done previously and uh, you know that have been the manager of Rangers has went out and just bought an experienced player that's playing in the Premier League already to play in defence, just to, to to get us through that. Because even the likes of Davies has, you know, I've still, you know, you know, the jury's out on him as well, Derek. I still don't know because he was out for a while, and some of the games he's played, I've still not looked at him and said, "Oh, he's a fantastic player" or whatever. So, it's. <laughs> A lot of ifs and buts, Derek, but there's been more negatives, far more negatives than there has been positives with his reign there. And it comes down to everything that you've said. It's come down to fitness. It's come down to tactics. It's come down to players that he's brought in. And it just seems to me that the players had stopped playing for him as well. So, you know, a culmination of loads. And then at the end, the results have just been really, really poor. Yeah, I mean, I think that the players have got to carry a massive amount of the can as well for this as well. They're certainly not blameless, and arguably they got him, got him the sack, and you hit the nail on the head for me. They just stopped playing for him by the look yep. of it. They needed a, you going back to you know maybe just needing an experienced player. They needed the spectre of John Eustace, I think, again. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yeah, so obviously massive speculation about who he was going to who was going to replace him. Obviously, Michael Beale was a front runner. We had Sean Dyche, Kevin Muscat, Stephen Gerrard as well. I don't know who the, how you pronounce this game. Sione, Shawnee, I don't know how that is. Nutson, Hassel, 
Hassel Hottel. Hassan Hottel, Hassan Hoff, whatever his name is. Hassan Hottel, David Martindale, Callum Davidson. You, you hold Martindale. the whole, whole, whole gambit. David Martindale, in his credit, was asked about it in an interview. And fair play to him, he did say it'll never happen due to his background, obviously being in prison before and the stature of us. So fair play to him there. He's made his bed with that. I wanted Sean Dice, to be honest. I think he, he would have been. A, a good manager for us. He would have certainly, you know, put the discipline back in the team. Maybe more defensive than we're than we're used to. But a lot of people were saying, well, he doesn't fit our style of play. Well, my argument to that is we didn't have a style of play this season under Gio, and the style of play under Gerard wasn't that successful domestically, was it? We had one one trophy and nine, if that's what you want to trot out. So, I think know. Derek, for the the people that came away with that argument. I heard it as well. I spoke to a few people about it also, and I had to remind them that in the last 30 years, the most successful period that we've had was under Walter Smith. And you can say what you want about Walter. He was a a very, very defensive style manager. I mean, for years we played five at the back, Derek. Uh, you know, but he had two superstars and the likes of Loudrup and Gascoigne, you know, that could create stuff for us and they had strikers like McCoyst and Haley that could score goals. But all in all, we were a very, very defensive team under Walter Smith and that's what brought us success for all those years. So I think I would rather have a very defensive team, but we were still winning, you know, 99% of our games than being an all-out attacking team that were losing goals left, right and centre and were a dogfight every single week. So it's uh, horses for courses, I'm afraid, especially when it comes to us. It's uh, very, very difficult. I think you've got to go back to the likes of Dick Advocat that had endless amounts of money to go out and sign quality players for us to play that type of football that we could completely dominate, but that's not going to happen. So we need something stable for us. And like you, I thought Dice might have been the man to do so, but that wasn't to be. No. However, Michael Beale was announced. It was the obvious, if not a wee bit unimaginative choice. I mean, he absolutely has my backing, but for me, it's a massive risk. I know that anyone is a risk. I know he knows the club and he clearly loves it here but it's an appointment that needs to work. It's not just a case that it's a rebuilding job. It is a case of this needs to work. The league's maybe too far gone, but there needs to be foundations then put in place for next year because next year is unquestionable, needs to needs to happen. We're likely going to lose the, the second automatic Champions League's place, not this year, but next year. So this is why it needs to work at least next year. He needs the backing of the board, obviously. Now, I'm in the camp where... I think the board have backed the manager this year, whether that's transpired because of the injuries, because it's maybe not been the right players. I think he's, Beal's been asked in interviews about, you know, who has the ultimate say in, in terms of the players they bring in. And basically he said it's him that, that has the say. I've been very impressed with all the stuff that's been put out by Rangers so far and what Beal said, all the interviews. But they're just words. The proof of the pudding is when they when they hit the ground running on the fifteenth of December when they when they play Hibs again, isn't it? Exactly, Derek. It's uh, it is a huge gamble. You've got to ask yourself how much uh, influence. And I know this might sound ridiculous, Derek, and you might say, "No, Dave, I think you're talking shit." But you've got to wonder how much influence senior players have had. Also, when it comes to the appointment, because, you know, all we're hearing is that how all the players that have been with us for a few seasons are absolutely over the moon that he's back because they all rated him so highly. I don't know if that's the case. A lot of folk will say, no, that couldn't happen. And, you know, for a team the size of Rangers, that that players have got an influence as to who comes in. But I just, the the way that we're constantly being told, Derek, from the the, the players that, you know, this is an incredible delight that he's back and how how good a coach he is and he was held in such high regard. The more and more I hear about it, the more and more I think, is this the board's way of trying to get what we've got firing full cylinders again? You know, the likes of Tav, the likes of Kent, the likes of Morelos. Oi, these guys, it's, uh, it is a strange one, Derek. Like you, of course, we're backing them 100%. But 
but the, the the jury's out for me again. Derek will will just have to wait and see. I think you know, looking at what you see on uh, what they've put out so far, he is a very hands-on coach in that respect. So I don't know if they are coming that some of the senior players, if that's what you're saying, are looking at his coaching abilities and the fact that he he seems to be a hands-on coach, which he says he's going to be. So. We'll maybe see, obviously, in due course how that's going to transpire out. And you know, as I said, didn't he hit the ground running? But um, I'm I'm getting more and more impressed, and I'm warming I'm warming to him more and more. And we'll just need to wait and see how it transpires. Yeah. Yep. First game we've got with them though is Saturday the tenth of December. It's at home against Leverkusen. It's a a, a friendly. It's now going to attract probably more interest than it than yep. it was if Gio was still in charge, isn't it? I wouldn't get to see the game because my work's night out is that night, so I will I'll try and keep up to date with it and I'll maybe watch it back afterwards. Next game after that, uh, Thursday the 15th of December at home against Hibernian in the Premiership. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff. Tuesday the 20th of December away against Aberdeen in the Premiership. That's an 8 o'clock kickoff again. Friday the 23rd of December away against Ross County in the Premiership. That's a 19.30 kickoff. Wednesday the 28th of December at home against Motherwell Premiership. That's a 19. 19- 45 kickoff, and that all leads us up into the next Old Firm game, Monday the 2nd of January, at home against Celtic in the Premiership, that's a 12.30 kickoff, so massive, massive games as ever. For me Derek, all three of them are, are sorry, all four, four of those matches, I'm not just bothered about the friendly but all of those league games Derek if Michael Beal wants to be, you know, accepted and this is seen as being a, you know, a great uh, appointment. They're all must-win games, especially the whole firm game, Derek, because if Celtic are still, you know, at least nine, nine points clear and they go 12 points clear at that stage, it's just a complete disaster. Uh, so, I mean, they're, they're must-win games. I realise that all games as, as, as a Rangers manager are, are, are must-win games, but if we've got to take anything out of this season at all, I think he's really got to hit, hit the ground running straight away. Who he's going to have back in his team, I don't know. The defence needs sorted as soon as possible. I don't know if there's any updates of players that are coming back or not, Derek, but we certainly looked short, you know, before, you know, when Gio's last games, and I, I don't know if it's got any better or not. I mean, certainly we've got this last four or five weeks out during the, the, the gap, so that's obviously a good thing. Players will be a wee bit coming back. The issue with players maybe not playing for them and maybe stalling on their coming back as well which has been known to happen in the past with some managers you might find that might happen as well so we'll just need to wait and see as well yeah there's been a lot of talk the likes of Hadji and Ruth you know coming back to fitness Derek but absolutely nothing in any of the defensive players so again it's it's, it's something that we'll have to we'll have to, to wait and see what he does if that's the case and he's no got any of these defenders back so yeah we'll wait and see Yes. So we'll now go into the news. So we were meant to do this podcast um, a few weeks ago and we we decided to postpone it because I was absolutely knackered dealing with a four and a half year old. However, luckily we did because the accounts were released the next day as well and they are very, very healthy. The first time we've made profit in a number, a number of years. It covers up into the 30th of June, so covers the run up into Seville and the Patterson sale, but obviously not the Bassey or Aribo sales. A record turnover of 86.8 million, operating profit of 5.9 million compared to the 23.5 million loss the previous year. We yep. got 6.1 million pound compensation for Gerard and his background staff. The outgoings, however, were 14.3 million pound as investor loan own paybacks and a staggering 8.24 settlement for Sports Direct and we had paid £9.6 million for Edmonston House as well obviously these outgoings there I've just showed you that they are one-off costs so presumably it will be probably about £22.5 million better off next season but really impressive I think isn't it Excellent, the, the, the run is Seville Derek, a lot of people said that you know that the Europa League's not worth it it certainly is if you're going in, into the latter stages the sale of uh, Patterson as well, huge. We've still got the Bassi sale, we've still got the Aribo sale, and I take it the actual earnings from getting into the Champions League, Derek, that's still to get added on. Also, 
Uh, we keep hearing numerous figures how, how much that's go going to be, but surely that's going to be even more to get into the pot. So, like you, Derek, just delighted that we are, you know, ma making a profit again. It's been a long, long time. You know, there were times, you know, w when we went into administration and stuff that we never thought we'd be able to see, you know, get, get back to these days. So it is... You know, we've been a bit do doom and gloom, you know, with things on, on the field, but certainly off the field, it looks as if it's going in the right direction, doesn't it? Yes, that's all what we wanted to, to see as well. And yep. obviously with the, the payouts, the Sports Direct payoff is absolutely ridiculous. I mean, we were boycotting the merchandise at that point. So how anyone, any judge can say that that's what they've lost in revenue is absolutely beyond belief to me. Still... Had the dodgy deal not been uncovered with Sports Direct, it was effectively running for perpetuity. Yeah. So how much more we would have lost in revenue yeah. is just, you know, is ridiculous. So given the fact it was like seven pence in every £10 or something like that, we're only making. So, however, in next year's accounts, there may be further payouts as well, one-off payments, because we're being sued for £9.5 million for the Elite Sports deal, all part of the Elite and Hummel deal, and we us breaking their contract. Two things, however, in relation to that. I believe they still owe us £3.5 million from sales that they are yet to pay us because they were in dispute with that. Secondly, and probably the bigger thing, two days after they announced the litigation against us, they announced that they've went into administration. So yeah. there's a good chance that that will come to nothing anyway. Or, yeah. if anything, it'll be pennies and pound again. Yeah. Yes. Next thing we've got here is a litigation against us by the organisers of the Sydney Cup. They're suing us due to a breach of contract. £1.7 <laughs> million, pounds, but we have launched a counter-suit also, as our claim they have never followed through with their promises, such as the leaked launch by Celtic, etc., and other promises of payments, and I think there was other things that they were meant to do and they never done, and that's part of the, that's the excuse we gave for pulling out anyway. We all know the real reason why we pulled out. Now, the bottom line I think both of us are at fault here. The board should have never ag agreed to yeah. it, and they've obviously potentially never followed through on the, the, the things that, that they were meant to do. But for me, any fan who was going mental at the club to try and cancel it cannot complain at all about any money we're having to pay out yeah. because, because of this, because it was their choice to, to pull out. There was always going to be a possibility of, of a, a lawsuit against us for breach of contract. From the images I've seen from the, the stills of the, the, the games that were played, ticket sales were absolutely dismal. So no doubt they're just trying to cover their losses. They're trying to yeah. overestimate what they're, what they're expecting to get back from us anyway. Yep, no, it was, Derek. As I say, it was it was stupid at the board in, in the first place. There was a backlash. Like you said, though, we, we weren't expect that this was to happen. You know, we, you know, there was a lot of complaints. Me, me being one, I was glad that we ended up not going. But as you said, it was uh, it wasn't a surprise when we knew that we were going to be getting this sort of lawsuit coming through. The Edmondson House thing as well, Dave. I mean, it's, it's fair coming on. I was meant to be through at Ibrox yesterday, but I, unfortunately I, I couldn't make it because of a sickness in, in the family. But I hopefully going next next Wednesday anyway. I'm going to go to the Argyle House restaurant. But Edmondson House fair coming along. I've seen a lot of comments after the the accounts and all that, saying that people saying it was a waste of money just now, especially as it only generate up to a million pound a year, and we could use that money to fund the squad rebuild. I mean, I liken Edmondston House and what we're doing with the museum as I liken it to having a child as it is never actually a good time to have one. You can always make an excuse not to have one, but if you leave it and you leave it and you leave it, it'll never happen. So we needed this to happen. A better megastore is, is coming. It's been needed for years. A museum. Yep. I mean, we're a historic club with a yep. fan base that like to show that off. A museum has been decades in the making. It's, it's, that's massive and it's been needed and the venue space as well for a potential bar as well and it frees up the current mega store for that bar that's invaluable or a ticket or a proper ticket office rather than a porter cabin as well the, the, what that's going to get us is invaluable and it puts us again in the, the elite category of clubs for me yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to opening Derek and seeing everything that you know it has to offer. 
as you say, the, the, the thought of just even having a big museum for a club the size of ours is something, you know, they've been looking for for a long time. We, you know, we, we did enjoy both me, me and you have done the tour of Ibrox and go, going into the Blue Room and stuff like that. But I've been on other stadium tours, you know, other clubs and got to see the big trophy rooms and stuff like that. So, you know, if there's a museum, you know, you know for us, that's absolutely amazing. I'm hoping, you know, I think the, the, the Blue Room will still remain as it is uh, inside the stadium, but you know, a chance to see a, a, a proper museum as well, you know, be fantastic. And what what they do with the rest? Of it. I've seen a lot of d- different ideas that, that people think are going to happen. But uh, as you say, it's, it's, it's something that, that we've been needing. I can remember the old the Edminster House at Ibrox; it was well used. So you know, for it to be there on on that site and the whole b- b- building itself looks absolutely cracking. So. Uh, I looking forward to it, Derek. It's going to cost a lot of money, but I think in the long run it'll be it'll be well worth it. Absolutely. Next thing is the AGM is on the sixth of December. Now I don't know what the time and place is. It'll probably something like eleven o'clock, ten o'clock, and they've usually held it in the Armadillo. I don't know if it's been announced to the public yet, but but um, certainly all the shareholders will know about it anyway. So we'll wait and see the how that transpires as well. I'm sure. You know, the, the fact that a new manager has been appointed will take some of the heat off them. However, I do expect there to be a lot of heat for them as well for the fact that they could have acted a lot quicker. Have they actually backed the board? I'm sure they'll have some some answers for that one as well. And obviously, you've got the Dave King. Willie won't he attend as well as a shareholder, major shareholder? And he says he's not voting for the parks as well. So that'll be 20% less he'll be getting. So... Oh, it could be interesting. Yeah, I think it will be, Derek. I think it will be. One thing that they will might might need to answer, though, is the commercial team's decision to have a commemorative print for the for the stadium for our seven one defeat to Liverpool. They obviously like to put panoramas for sale for uh, like printed framed po- photographs for the TIFO displays. That was one of the games we had a TIFO display, and the commercial team decided to put that for sale. They've quickly, you know, taken it off off for sale, quite rightly. So, whose idea was that, Derek? Who in exactly. their right mind would think that anybody a would want to buy that and b that it was a good idea after that result? I, I, I absolutely, I'm flabbergasted that anybody thought that that would be a good idea. It has enraged the support. It just absolutely incredible. I was going to buy a separate print of the front of Ibrox when uh, when I went to Ibrox there, but I certainly wasn't going to entertain something like that. It's no. a disgraceful result, a disgraceful decision to put that for sale as well. Yep. Talking of disgraceful decisions as well, just a wording here. First team coach Kerry Bowley issued a nice tweet after Gio left, praising him, which was fine until he used the line that Gio was a victim of his own success. There was a pile on and quite rightly it was pointed out to to him that Gio lost a six point lead last year and is currently nine points behind this year. And if he thinks that that that's successful, then maybe Bowley should pack his bags too. He was on the Heart and Hand pod a couple of months ago and he certainly speaks a good game and I hope what he put on his tweet was just a, a misspeak rather than anything else because, you know, a club like Rangers, that's not successful. Yes, yep. he, he was successful in Europe, but this year was dismal. Yep. Last year was great. Domestically, he was not successful at all. No. No. no like you, Derek, I hope that's been a, just a misinterpretation Possibly, but uh, it's certainly uh, it's certainly not the case when it comes to our domestic forum. So, yeah. Fourth round of the Scottish Cup draw has been made. We've got St Johnson away, Celtic. I've got Morton at home. So the rub of the game and those hot balls again. Not at for Celtic, all. Yeah. Not at all, Derek. <laughs> not at all. Yep. Next thing, a crazy and rather sick rumour was started online that Fashion Sakala had been shot while at home yeah. in Zambia. Turned out it was utter nonsense. Why people make up that shite? They're just absolutely sick in the head. Even if it's just some demented Celtic fan making that up, why? I I, I don't know, Derek. I don't know where it came from, where it started. To be fair to Fashion Sakala, he was on social media very quickly putting that uh, rubbish and that just be shown you know, where he was and everything was okay. So, uh, just completely bizarre. Completely yes. bizarre. Last couple of bits of news here is Real Kashmir hero and our former star, David Robertson, yeah. has been appointed Peter Head boss. So, 
Hope he does well. He's pissed me off because I taken him in my mate's coupon today and I got roundly uh, castigated for that one because the odds were so long. He got beat 3-0 today. Man sent off as well. So uh, not a great start for him. No, it wasn't, Derek. And also my lo- local team, the team that I go and cheer on now and again, East Stirlingshire, they also have appointed a former Ranger as their new boss in uh, Sandy Clark. So we'll wait and see how that one go- goes as well. A bit of a tough gig he's got for him, uh, you know, being the, the, the manager of the Shire. Uh, as I say, I've been, been to see them a few times. He's got a hard jo- job on his hand there, but we wish him all, all, all the best as well. And, uh, you know, his, his latest management uh, choice there. And we'll see how that goes as well for him. It's a tough gig for the players as well, the amount of shite he talks. <laughs> that's terrible, Derek, so it is. Terrible. <laughs> and the last piece of football news here I've got is, it was a few weeks ago now, but the at one of the Celtic games, Tom Boyd was on cool comms for Celtic TV. There was a handball decision that went, that went against Celtic, which VAR flagged, and Tom Boyd said during commentary, it's at times like these, the referee should just ignore the rules. <laughs> Just as long as it's uh, you know against Celtic, because that, 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 that's what basically what you should have said. Yeah, I mean nobody likes these new handball rules. Nobody can understand them. There's so many interpretations of them. That's that, that's by the by. You've got to stick by the rules, and that's the point. You can't just God. go against what the referee says and all that. So it's as usual with Celtic and their their mindedness. You know, bear in mind that's on Celtic TV, an official channel. They should be pulled up for that. But as usual, you know, SFA absolutely powerless in this case. Tom Boyd, eh? mm. some things never change, Derek. No. So, woman rode motorbike naked got fingered in the street and punched a blind man. (laughs) A woman has been jailed and banned from entering Woking as she punched a blind man and was caught in the middle of a sex act in the street. (laughs) Topical because her name is Natasha Claus was described as a mess by the judge as she turned up to court four hours late to be handed a 13-month prison sentence. The judge revealed that she had been caught riding through Surrey Town naked on a motorbike, but added that she was not being sentenced for that particular incident. She pleaded guilty, outraging public decency, and she was caught in the middle of a sex act. Is this like a game of bingo, just to see how, how many charges that, that she can get in the space of like two minutes with other things that she's done? God knows, but prosecutor John Upton said she was spotted in Goldsworth Road walking, being fingered by a man and (laughs) I just imagine a judge turning around and saying that. (laughs) (laughs) When she was arrested at the scene, police said her jeans were pulled up but her knickers were still in her handbag. (laughs) (laughs) Oh... Oh, dear, dear. So, on, on that note, we will <laughs> end the podcast. Yep. So, uh, I kind of quick rush through the games and then use this one because we know that it's been over a month. For We're going back to almost season two of, of going months in between podcasts again, but that's what happens sometimes. But hopefully, we'll be back a lot sooner than that yeah. the next next time. It, could, it couldn't be helped, Derek. We did have a lot on. Uh... And as you say, I don't think there was much to really go, go over the games that you that you went over, over there anyway, because a lot of them were very poor. But we will uh, ho- hopefully uh, we will be a lot more uh, regular in putting the pod out over the coming weeks and months. So yes, I'll be eating my prune juice and prunes and bran flakes and all that. Exactly, Pla- plenty of b- Brussels sprouts over the Christmas period. Yes. So thanks for listening and goodbye. Take care, folks. Bye bye. Stadium erupts in red, white, and blue. You've never seen anything like it. Let's go. Manchester, brace yourself.